I feel real at home here this morning. I was thinking about the history of this congregation. And, uh, you know, I'm from Glen Ellen. And I remember when this church was launched as a daughter church from the Glen Ellen Covenant Church. I remember the business meetings when you were a line item on our budget. And that was fine. But then I also remember when you were self-sustaining and you're on your own doing God's work here. Last Sunday in the passing of the peace at Glen Ellen, I shook Elaine Barnes' hand. How many remember Elaine Barnes? Okay, I did her husband's funeral. Don was funny over at Windsor Park. He was 85. He said, Paul, why don't you and Roger come over? You've got to get me out of here. I can't take it with all these old people. <laughs> I'm happy to have my family here this morning. Um, my wife, Jane, of 50 years. Thank you. When my pastor announced that in church a few weeks ago, he said, yes, we rejoice with Paul and Jane that they've been married for 50 years, which can only mean that Jane is up for sainthood in the covenant denomination. <laughs> I have still no idea what he meant by that. I'm delighted to have my son, daughter-in-law Elizabeth, and who's here? Mary Rose and Paul. Would you guys just stand up? I know, they didn't want me to do this, but... So I'm happy to have uh, the family here, which is good support. Um, can I vent a little before I start preaching? Was that a yes? All right, now look, first of all, let's just get something straight right now. I'm used to being in black churches. Thank you, sisters, for being back there. You're going to help me today. I want you to give up your non-emotion of Swede right now. Just get that out of your system because it's not gonna be like that. You heard about the Swedish husband who got so emotional about his marriage that he almost told his wife that he loved her. <laughs> we just came back from Norway. That's how we celebrated our 50th. So I got a reminder of some Scandinavian emotion. Now, I'm kind of a stoic crowd, so I know a little bit about this, you know, stuffing the emotion thing. Just give it up for Len, okay? Really, <laughs> just give it up. Okay, so how do I want to vent? Um, and this has nothing to do with the sermon. Is that all right? You said it was okay. There are a ton of reasons to be angry today with the Church of Jesus Christ. There are a ton of reasons to be upset with what's going on in the Church of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, you watch the news. The Pennsylvania pedophilia thing, priests, young men, I'm sorry. When I saw the byline on a major network news station this morning that said that Pope Francis was worried about the plastic bottles being washed up under the shores in the name of climate control, I said to myself, with all due respect to the Pope, you got some bigger fish to fry in your church than climate control. 
And of course, we know about our major megachurch to the north, where we have yet another scandal that we'd rather not know about. And I'll tell you what concerns me. In each case of the church, and we're at the Lord's table this morning, in each situation, it's the cover-up. It's the inability to confess. It's the inability then to forgive. Because if you, no sin that's not admitted can be forgiven. You know that, right? You know that, right? Yes. I told you we're going to talk. <laughs> I'm not going Scandinavian with you on this thing this morning. All right, this is not about Sven and Ollie. All right? Seriously, we need to be interactive, and I want to know if you're out there. By the way, your hair is lovely. Thank you. I love whatever, you, I want to know who your hairdresser is. Not that I have enough hair. Okay, so, but let me tell you who won't disappoint you. The church, you will find a thousand and one reasons to be disappointed in any church on earth, right? But Jesus does not disappoint. Je thank you. I knew I'd get an amen. Jesus does not disappoint. We're at his table, and he's going to be here, and he's your host. He's our host. And we will, in a few minutes, and this sermon is really designed to focus on the Eucharist, he will be really present in the bread and in the wine. And you will take of him, and you will leave here today as a living sacrament of Jesus Christ. Are you ready for that? That means you're going to go out in the world and be the broken bread and the poured out wine for Jesus in your neighborhood this week. That's Luther and Oswald Chambers. How many of you read Oswald Chambers in your, oh my gosh, you should be telling me then. Wonderful. Okay, so whatever's going on in the church, I'm here to encourage you this morning to focus on who Jesus is, because he will never, ever disappoint you, ever. Can I hear you say that? Jesus, the altos were a little flat, but that's okay. So let's get into the story. Maybe you're here upset, downcast, like our friends were on this journey, right? Jesus had risen from the dead. This was his third meeting. It was a busy Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene first in the morning, right at the get-go. Then you had a little reference to Peter. Jesus and Peter had a thing to work out. And now we come to these two people walking home. Now, I'm taking the position that this is a married couple. Mary, the wife of Clopas. Mary was at the cross. Jesus knew who she was. She looked at him, but didn't even raise her head. 
at this point, to acknowledge that he was present. And they started talking, okay? So here's today's takeaway. If you remember nothing else from this meditation, it's this. You are Jesus' destination. Want to say that with me? And use, say I. I am Jesus' destination. You believe that? Let's figure out what that might mean. Nobody knows where Jesus was going that day. He was traveling somewhere. Anybody know where he was headed? I don't think anybody knows. The point here is that it doesn't matter at all where Jesus was going. He stopped and came alongside these two people. They were where he was going. Okay? You're going to leave this church today, and you're going to start traveling in your week. And I don't know where your journey is going to take you today. I don't know whether you're downcast or whether your chin is up. I don't know what burden you're carrying this morning. But I want to tell you, you came to the right place. All right? You came to the right place because all that you need to experience is in the church. I believe that whatever I need spiritually exists in this room. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in the context of the Church of Jesus Christ, all that you need is right here among you as a body of believers? Because you're the church. And the real reason that I believe that Jesus rose from the dead isn't the empty tomb. That tomb could have been empty for any number of reasons. The reason I believe that Jesus rose from the dead is that first of all, he appeared to a bunch of folks, like we're talking about this morning. But let me tell you the reason more existentially today that I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Bill O'Reilly wrote a book called Killing Jesus. I regret the last line of that book. So O'Reilly said, to this day, we don't know where the body of Jesus is, okay? Now, O'Reilly, along with all the other problems he's had in life, okay, should have been a better Irish Catholic than he ended up being in that book. And here's why. I know where the body of Jesus Christ is. He never asked me, so I didn't tell him. I'm looking at the body of Christ right now. You believe that? You, you are in the flesh. Here I go with the Lutheran theology, I'm sorry. Some covenant guides are Lutheran and gals too, all right? You are the incarnate body of Christ on earth right now. You are. Did you know that? So if you want to know where Jesus is, I'm looking at Jesus right now. Now some of you aren't ready to step up to that because you don't think you're religious enough. But neither was Jesus. The last thing Jesus ever wanted to be was religious. 
or some kind of pious, but he identified with human beings on earth in every brokenness possible. So if you're broken here this morning, that's not a reason why you shouldn't come here this morning. That's the reason why you ought to run up here this morning and take the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? Because you know that the mud is hitting the fan in your life and something's systemically wrong and theologically we call that sin and the scriptures talk about us as sinners but then the scripture talks about but God commended his love to us when we didn't have our act together. Because you don't need this table if you've got your act together. Because Jesus didn't die for people who had their act together. Jesus died for me because I didn't have my act together. Because I needed his grace. Because I couldn't have done a darn thing. Can you say darn? Okay. Because I did nothing to get myself to enjoy bread and wine. But Jesus did that for me. That's why I loved that we sang what? Jesus paid it all. And I owe him everything. Okay, that's enjoying grace. We're off script this morning. Let's get back to the story. They were talking to Jesus and they didn't know it. He was talking to them, and to fast forward this a little bit, he gave them the word and he taught him about the them about himself. Now, that scripture says later on about the word, didn't our hearts burn within us? I looked at that and I said, yeah, I've heard some preachers who gave me heartburn too. <laughs> it's a terrible metaphor in the scripture. Okay. But you know what it is? It's really a symbol of the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe was going on with them. When they heard the word of God, something was stirring inside. Does that ever happen to you? Is there something about hearing the word when you read the word that you sense something going on inside? All right, I think that's more than mood and emotion. First of all, if you're Swedish, you don't have emotion. I'm sorry, I'm, all, I'm done with that. But it's the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit always shows up with the Word. You knew that. So, if you're reading the Word of God, you're hearing the Word of God as His voice. People want to say, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm going to hear the Word of God, or I'm going to hear His voice. Well, I have prayed, you know, and I forgot to ask you to pray. Pray while I'm talking that you hear God's voice. A few of us prayed for that before this service. Look, I could care less if you remember my voice or anything that I said, but I hope that you leave here remembering that God's said something to you. Or in Southside language, that God said something to you. All right? His voice. So they're walking along and they sense 
something going on inside, and that's the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit always shows up when the Word of God is preached. I hope the Spirit has, you know, showed up here today. By the way, Nate, it's going to be easy for you to preach about worship as the center because of what this good brother put together for worship for us this morning. Amen? Amen. Okay? It's going to be real easy to do that because I loved our worship. Wonderful, spirit-led. Every worship liturgist would give God the credit, and that's how this goes. So worship is certainly the center. Was that the way you wanted me to give the ad for your, okay, okay. I just wanna make sure I got the words right. All right. Now, on the other hand, if you're worried about whether the spirit is what you're sensing, you had better be able to find it in the word somewhere. You all know how this denomination got started, don't you? Those Swedish farmers were Lutherans out there in um, Oslo or Stockholm, right? On the outskirts. They heard the preacher that Sunday morning in, you know, in that Lutheran church, and they went back to their kitchen table and sat down and made the mistake of opening up their Bibles. It's not a mistake. And then they, they were going like this. And then... They started putting their fingers on the words in their Bible. And they said, my Swedish is bad, so I'm not even going to try. They said, I don't think I heard this from the pastor this morning. Did you? And they kept going to church, and they kept looking at their Bible. It's dangerous. Right? Said, where is it written that this pastor is saying what he's preaching? I read that text this morning because there's no reason to listen to me this morning unless I have a text from the Word of God to share with you. Right? Otherwise, otherwise this is my last Sunday here. <laughs> and it should be if I'm not preaching God's Word. Okay? So, where is it written is one of the first foci of the covenant denomination. And it's right out of the Reformation. It's right out of Luther. It's right out of, it's the core of our identity as a covenant church. May it always be. May the word of God always be that basis. But then on the other hand, they said, okay, so much for the word. What about the walk with Jesus every day on the journeys like this couple on the road to Emmaus? What's that like? And that is where the question surfaced, and I know you know this. I'm just here to remind us of who we are, especially on a Eucharist Sunday. And that's simply this. Every one of you, are you listening? Are you still listening? Every one of you has a right to ask me, Bischoff, how was your walk with Jesus this past week? That's, That's focus number two. Now, 
You can run a church like that. Because that's word and spirit. Now, if you want to get more Lutheran, you can say the church is word and sacrament. Because that's all you need for the church. You need the proclamation of the word supported in the body and blood of Jesus Christ and vice versa. We complicate it. Okay, but that's really, bottom line, all you need to do church. Or as my African-American elder sister down at Anglewood keeps telling me, brother, we had church today. All right, and I know what she's talking about. She's saying she heard the voice of God in church. And I pray that you have. And we're done here with this statement as we prepare ourselves for the sacrament, and it's simply this. They had no idea who they were talking to the whole time. Okay? They really did not recognize Jesus. Do you recognize him in your life today? Dietrich Bonhoeffer's question is this. Who is Jesus Christ for you today? That's a rhetorical question. Think about it in preparation for the table. Who is Jesus Christ for you today? They invite him in for dinner. They sit down. They wash up. They're ready. And Jesus does the following. He takes the bread. He gives thanks. He breaks it. And he passes it out to them. I don't think that was a liturgical event. They weren't in church. It's going to be liturgical for us because we're obedient to Jesus to keep doing it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, and our pastor will be telling us that in the words of consecration over those elements. What happened when Jesus did this? What happened? They recognized him in the breaking. Somebody knows it over here. Who's saying it? Thank you, sister. We recognize him in the breaking of the bread. He will be really present this morning with us. He will be the invisible host of this table. He is here with us. Amen? Amen. We are not at a wake. This is not a memorial service. These are not merely symbols. These are conduits of God's presence and his grace, reminding us once again of the forgiveness because of the cross of Jesus Christ that we have. May it be our experience today and every day to have a sense of God's presence because you are his destination. Let me flip that around and then we're really done. You know how pastors are. They keep saying they're done five times. <laughs> Flip it around. You are Jesus' destination. 
Let me suggest that you make Jesus your destination this week. Wherever you think you're going, you know, you're riding up and you're trying to cross the tracks at Main Street Wheaton. Oh no, here we go again, another 110 car train deadheading it back to Sterling, Wyoming to bring the coal down to the turbines in Chicago so ComEd can have its electricity once again. It's crazy, Union Pacific. I hope they're making money. While you're there, upset with the railroad, why not use that time to pray? Pray for your pastor. Pray for their new baby. Pray for this congregation. Pray for my church. Pray for the church at large. Pray for the Catholic church. I'm not here to advance a church, but what ticks me off is that the name of Jesus gets smeared every time a church screws up. So I could care less about the church, sort of. I'm really concerned, as you are, about the name of Jesus and how Jesus looks every day. I only hope and pray that all we say and do, including myself, in this time together has only advanced and honored and glorify the name of Jesus. Are your hands clean? It's time for dinner. <laughs>